Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. Uh, the transfer window is shut. We're into that first international break, which is fairly annoying, if I'm being completely honest. Three games in and then you stop it. But we're going to talk about those last five minutes against Newcastle. Have a look at the squad depth and also look ahead to West Ham. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. Callum, transfer window shut and already the season has started and it stopped already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back to the international stuff. I guess not so bad after um, after what happened with with England in the summer and uh, compared to previous international breaks, only a few weeks into the season. But but yeah, it's, it's already it's Monday as we record it. So by the time the weekend comes around, we'll have. Um, more football and uh, and, a, and a good game down at St Mary's. Absolutely. Are you doing that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be working uh, my first game of the season uh, against West Ham. So looking forward to that. Nice Saturday 3pm kickoff. It's not very often you get those, uh, obviously, with all the, uh, the, no. the COVID scheduling and everything else. So, uh, yeah, there were loads of them last, uh, not yeah, a week ago, Saturday. And some more this Saturday, so it'll be uh, yeah, it'll be quite nice. I bet you're really excited to get back to it. Yeah, I am. Obviously, we had uh, we had the opportunity to do uh, a couple of games in the pre-season, um, and I was lucky enough to do Leeds at the end of last season, where everyone was allowed that one game back. But it was kind of you know, although it was great, it was it was partly open, and it was uh, the stadium, and there it was meandering towards a. A finish where there was nothing to play for and it was that kind of game to be honest but yes yeah, St Mary's with a full house I don't think I'll um don't think it'll hit me until uh, until we get there and we're at kickoff and the atmosphere is buzzing um for what should be a really good game yeah it should be and we'll talk about that West Ham game towards the end of the episode let's touch on a very entertaining game that happened just before we went to the international break Newcastle away is never an easy one for Saints, no matter how bad Newcastle are. And, um, well, what a finish, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, a, it was a, a great finish from a Saints point of view. I was, um, I was in... Uh, I was at the dark side for Victorious Festival for the game, so I didn't get to watch it, but I was obviously keeping, keeping tabs and... Um, yeah, and when when that when that notification comes through, say Alan St. Maxman has scored in the 90th minute, will you just uh, take a big sigh and think, well, yeah, classic Saints, it, what, yeah, we wouldn't have it any other way. But to then find out that uh, we got a penalty and we had a chance, and then eagerly refreshing my phone until uh, till I saw that, of course, Prowse had stepped up and and, and done what he does. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a crazy end into the game. I think overshadowing the fact that um, Saints deserved to win it and were the better mm. side, and that's that's the disappointing thing is that it shouldn't have gotten to that. You know, mm. some Maximan has scored. It should have been merely a consolation. Um, Gineppo, you know, partly to blame for that with the the miss of the season. I know we're only a few games in, but I'll probably be the miss of the season by the end of it as well. 
and, uh, and, and numerous other chances that went begging. We need to take our chances, but it was good to see that we were creating them. And, uh, and we, were, we seemed to be in a better place as a team than Newcastle, but still conceding goals, which, uh, which is, is a bit of a worry. We're early into the season, but it doesn't seem like our defence is any stronger than it was last year, having conceded in every game so far. No, and that first goal for Newcastle came from Walker Peters not being truly accustomed to being in that left back position and getting and losing his man to get above him and headed that down for Callum to Callum Wilson to head that in. Um, and then the Sam Maximan thing is a breakaway. Salisu, for some reason, went to go into the challenge and then decided he was going to step off instead, which just allowed Sam Maximan to keep on running forward and instead mm -hmm. of narrow his options down, gave him the opportunity to give it to uh, Joe Linton. Um, and, you know, as soon, as soon as it came to Sam Maximan's feet, you just knew, well, here we go. And I, I let out a big sigh because Saints dominated the game. Newcastle were atrocious, playing five at the back at home to a team that, you know, their fans were expecting to go out, just hoofing the ball up the pitch at any given opportunity. Steve Bruce deserves all the blue, all the boos that were coming his way. It was really negative football, but it it, it worked in a, in a, in a sense because they managed to, if you think about it, there weren't aside from the Gineppo miss, there weren't too many clear cut chances that Saints created. There was a lot of dominating possession in and around the penalty area, but if the shots came in, they were from 25 yards and they were fairly harmless. I can't really remember Woodman actually having to pull off a dramatic save. Um, but of course, we Elianusi did bundle in that goal if it came off his knee, off his chest, off his face, whatever. They all count the same. So really good to see that he is amongst the goals. That's, that was four for him in a week. I know three were against Newport. And, um, and then... The, the, the penalty at the end and it was a strange one it was a coming together and I actually had to tell Adam Adam Blackmore down there sort of down down the line saying because he was going oh and Newcastle are wasting time and it was a good opportunity for Armstrong and I just put I just pressed the little mic button to say to tell him in his ear just like VAR are looking into this and then suddenly it was all now I understand VAR and looking into a potential penalty here for Southampton. And um, I was there thinking, nah, th 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 there's not going to be much. And then, of course, Lascelles just completely takes Armstrong's feet away from him. Uh, so we talk about how bad our defence is. That's a very poor challenge to be making in the last minute of the game. When Woodman has got... He's, Woodman's going to get the ball. It's very unlikely that Armstrong is going to get it either side of him. So to then just completely stamp stamp in, take the legs away, and Prousey's finished... I don't know. I think, I think Armstrong is going to get to the ball before Woodman, so he, and he has the opportunity one-on-one. -on -one. So Lascelles has thrown himself in there. But I think because all three of them sort of came in at the same time, it doesn't look like that clear cut. Mm foul because uh it's very last ditch but the ball's kind of he's still I think hasn't he ended up kicking the ball off afterwards uh, mm -hmm. Armstrong but it was an obvious foul and 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 yeah you mentioned you mentioned Gineppo I mean he had a couple of opportunities where he just he wouldn't pull the trigger on one of them um obviously one he put straight over the bar but he's getting into those positions and Elia Lucy of course um after his his hat trick has got himself a start thoroughly deserved, got himself a goal, so deserves to be in contention for the next game, in my opinion. Even if he wasn't 
hugely impressive throughout. You know, it, 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 he's scoring and he's involved, and um, that's what we need from uh, from our wide players. I was disappointed with the goals we conceded. I mean, the goal for um, Callum Wilson, you know, against the run of play, but another one of those where I know you mentioned Walker Peters, but I, I thought, oh, he's he's had a nightmare there. He's completely forgotten his man. But having watched it, the whole defence got pulled over one too many, and, and Walker Peters was aware that he was there. But it's one of those where he's, he's if it goes to the far post, he can get out there on his first touch. But if it comes into the middle, he's got to be covering his centre-backs. And he, he, he got dragged in, pulled into the middle to cover the danger and then was on his way out. It just so happened it got headed across first time. And then obviously Callum Wilson was there after Walker Peters. He was sort of kind of caught between two posts there, wasn't he, um, uh, Walker mm. Peters? But I don't blame him on it. If you watch it back, knowing it's coming, you can kind of see what's happened there. And then, that, like you said, on the last one, we... we Ball's given away. We don't stop the counter-attack early enough. And then by the end of it, Salisus kind of dives in. Stevens and Ward-Prowse are in there and it's all sixes and sevens by the end of it. And they've gone, uh, it's all gone to pot. But um, that that was, you know, we didn't lose the game. Conceding 90th minute. How many times have we said before that, that and we've seen before, Saints would have gone out with a... with. Um, with a murmur and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have come to anything and in the end we've come away happier than Newcastle and um mm. and a big shout to Nathan Redmond who I thought you know got a lot of stick when he came on Ralph got a lot of stick for bringing him on ahead of like Satella but he he did create in his in his brief spell in the game and he and he also was the one who created um the opportunity which led to a penalty which was a really really good through ball so it was good to see that from Nathan Redmond and and we've got to, you, you mentioned it briefly, but we've got to touch on. Um, I want to talk about the composure from Walt Prowse first and foremost because that takes a lot of, a lot of balls, um, and he did really well to dispatch that penalty right in the corner because the goalie went the right way. But we've got to mention you touched on it. Um, Southampton's biggest ever away victory uh, against Newport County, lower league opposition, I know, but to be uh, to be winning any game eight 0 considering that Saints have played many lower league teams away from home before and have struggled to win, let alone to win in that fashion, uh, to get <coughs> goals from Teller, um, Brozier, to get almost a... It was, it was very much a squad involvement in that game and to see so many impressive players, including, of course, Elianusi with a hat-trick, who, who got his chance. It just shows that we've got depth, which we did not have last season, haven't had before. Speaking of which, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, the squad depth that we've got. We did an episode last season where we kind of rated each position. We're going to do that again. We are indeed. And after what happened last season, I think maybe we're, we were a bit um, generous with our ratings considering what happened as the season went on and we had those injuries and then suddenly the squad depth was not as it was. Um, I want to start, obviously... The, the window shut. Saints didn't get anyone on deadline day. They were, I think, one of the only teams not to. Of course, the headlines went to some um, ancient Portuguese guy going, going to Manchester United, but I'm sure that's been covered quite a bit. Uh, I'm very happy that we don't have to play against him until February. 
Um, already got one game out of the way before he came in, so done, ex- done well there. Exactly, and we got a point from it as well. Let's um, okay. Let's start with the squad depth, and I think best place to start is the goalkeeper. I've actually, I've. It may seem harsh, but I'm giving this a six out of ten if I'm being completely honest, because we have two very average goalkeepers and I don't really have much trust in either of them. And I know that the goalkeeping position is the next sort of the next signing to make, but we're not going to make it until next summer. I've heard rumours it could possibly could be Sam Johnson, but who knows? I think he's going to be linked to everyone under the sun, considering he's yeah. going to be entering the final year of his contract. So for me, six out of 10, I'd not... Ugh, I mean, they're solid enough, but we've seen so too many mistakes, so I think, from both of them, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, I think average is definitely the best word to describe our situation. We're, we're not lacking in goalkeepers, but we're lacking in a in a top goalkeeper, a clear number one. Um, you thought it was harsh. I think six is generous, to be honest, on that basis. Uh, I'd, I'd be looking at sort of more of a four or five, based on the fact that, you know, we, we've got two goalkeepers who are experienced in big games, Premier League experience, but neither of them are good enough, it seems, to hold down a position for a team um, with what was the second worst defence in the league last season. So uh, the fact that they, they were rotating the goalkeepers shows that clearly neither of them were good enough to stake claim for that number one jersey it's such an odd thing to do rotating your goalkeepers so you're clearly not in that position but Ralph obviously realised that he had to prioritise other positions the fact that he's already talking about next season looking at it is it, presumably because we didn't get rid of Forster and, and we're not going to renew that contract but <clears throat> that's probably why McCarthy I think is number one because he's going to be here for longer and uh and uh, didn't he sign a new contract as well? So, I, I, that's, I yeah, that's not yet been. It seems to have gone under the radar. I think apparently it is signed, but there's been no official announcement. Either way, we're fairly sure we're going to be getting a new goalkeeper next summer. I and it's I, not. I think I heard. Yeah, I think I heard an announcement. I think it came about when um, everyone else was <laughs> announcing new signings. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with, I'd say a five out of 10 based on the fact that we're not completely lacking in goalkeepers and we've got two average ones. But what we've not got is one of the top 15 goalkeepers in the Premier League, which I would expect us definitely to have. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, no, we're nowhere near that. There are, there are probably 15 goalkeepers in the Premier League that are better than what we have, including the one that three teams have just come up. So... Yeah, um, we're poor there, and that's definitely somewhere we need to be looking. I don't know if I believe the whole Sam Johnston stuff, you know, the day after deadline day, and all of a sudden it's right, uh, we're looking ahead to next year because Ralph said he wants a goalie, or who's the obvious one? Sam Johnston. You know, you can't be, they're on the list to scout, but you can't be, you know, saying who who we're going to go for when there's potentially a whole season left before we even uh, make a move. But yeah, the goalkeepers... um, are not good enough and he's he's got to pick and stick with one I think unless he has a, an absolute nightmare McCarthy hasn't started the season particularly well in my opinion so uh yeah five out of ten definitely needs some work yeah absolutely a, a position that doesn't need any work because it's it was our, one of our weakest positions when we did this episode last season um but right back I've put us an eight because we have from it what it's what seems to be 
two very, very good right backs. Um, and even Jan Valery has come back in and I suppose is a worse come to the worst. I still don't think he's good enough, but it would take two injuries to get to him. So in terms of just the main two, I'd give it an eight, maybe pushing towards a nine because Livermento looks sensational. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go as far to say that right back's 10 out of 10. I don't know what more we can... A club in our position, I'm not really sure how much better we can get. We've got Carl Walker-Peters, who's one of our best players since he signed um, and was an absolute shoo-in to play every single game last season when he was fit. And then started this season and he's on the bench because we've brought in one, one of the best young players in English football for, you know, from what we've seen so far and what we've heard and what we know, you know, it's an absolute coup. So to have Livramento and Walker-Peters fighting for a position in um, in Southampton's team, I, I don't think it gets much stronger than that. And and you have Jan Valery, who is a, a, a young player with Premier League experience as your third choice. And he stayed. He didn't go out on loan. So I, I think we're we're covered there. I mean, last season, we were in a position where if Walker-Peters got injured, Jan Bednarak was playing out there. Mm. Uh, look at the difference now. You need Walker-Peters, Livramento to get injured, to be stuck with Jan Valerie. So, uh, yeah, uh, 10 out of 10. I think, I think it's our strongest position. Yeah, I, I've got it down as our strongest position. I mean, we, we have a, a real plethora of options to choose from. Um, before we go to centre-backs, let's just go to left back I've got this more towards a six or a seven purely because Pero we don't really know too much about him uh, I'd need to see more and obviously the backup for him is Thierry Small who I know very little about apparently he's quite promising um, but of course until yeah. we actually see that on the pitch that we can't go we can't exactly be like oh Small is as good as Livermento let's put our left back options up towards an eight um, Pero yet to imp I mean Perro got dropped against Newcastle and we played right back out of position whether that was completely tactical or just a way to try and get both Livermento and Walker Peters in the same team we like I'm sure I think it's probably more the latter I think it's the latter yeah but, but either way Perro 15 million pound signing one of the best last season fullbacks in league what league one and he's not playing against Newcastle because the right backs in his position so I think it's left back is more of a wait and see because it's two new players and we've been so used to having Ryan Bertrand who's a constant seven or eight so we'll wait and see with left back Do you... know, maybe until last year um it was it wasn't 15 million was he Perot? I think yeah, it was around I think it was around 15 million it was near a 10 he's, he's my expectations of him would be much higher if, uh, if I let to be belief that we spent 15 million on him I think that's um I think that's a lot. I, I, I mean, he looks good so far. I think I think the fact of the matter is, we, when you talk about him being dropped, is that we have we've gone from having one good fullback to having uh, to having three in only two positions. And Livermento seems like he's never going to be dropped. Doesn't look like he wants to drop Kyle Walker Peters. And um, and you've got Perot, who who has been brought in, and he's the obvious number one choice at left back. But Walker Peters and Livermento have to be in the team, so uh, it's a lovely position Fastener to, to be in. And there, are, there are probably are ways to get all three of them in by moving Livermento further up the pitch. But then, 
you know, does he want to do that? So I, I think there might be some rotation amongst the, the three of them, certainly Walker-Peters and Perot. And, um, and Walker-Peters did, of course, get a goal in the League Cup tie against Newport, which, you know, you, you score a goal from fullback, playing left-back for maybe the first time in a long time. Uh, it's probably worth putting him in the team for the, for the next game. Uh, it's, it's just whether or not he can be he can be good enough in that position because obviously he's right footed and that means it does mean a lot more negativity. He's not going to be on the overlap, those lung busting runs to the byline. It's going to be a different kind of threat. And in possession, it's going to be very much like Trippier when he plays right back. You see that for England, you know, he, yeah. a, lot, a lot of it is going backwards. So, yeah, we'll see how he develops there. I thought it would be more likely Livermento would be the player who would go over to left back, but. Clearly, Walker-Peters is the guy. No one really called that. So, Ralph's got his ideas. I'd go with a seven because we do only have one out-and-out left-back still in the position. I know we have Thierry Small, but very young. Uh, was he 17? Yeah, like 17. That. Just turned 17, I think. So, yeah, very young. Unproven, no experience at this level, but supposedly very bright future. And and then the backup is Walker Peters, who's playing out of position. So yeah, I think I think we're strong, much stronger than we were. Uh, but and and that's partly because we've signed Liveramento as well. So Walker Peters is now kind of cover on that side. But yeah, nowhere near the what we've got. Yeah, Liveramento is better than Perot, and then Walker Peters is a right back better than he is a left back. So right back is clearly stronger than than the left back is. Yeah. But but I'm happy with where we're at. Um, be interesting if Perot was to be out of action for a considerable period of time, you'd then be relying on Carl Walker-Peters at left-back consistently. And I'm not sure if, if he's able to do that to a certain level. Yeah, or whether he'd be... It, it's, it's a lovely, as you say, a lovely dilemma to have now that we've got a large number of very good players in that position. Um, Centre-back, this is a tricky one for me because I've gone for a seven. Like, so I know it's sort of a safe seven. Purely, Well, Salisu is obviously our best centre-back um, unless Lianco turns into an absolute gem. But, but we'll have to wait and see. So I think Salisu is obviously our best centre-back, but also we still got mistakes in him. Bednarik and Stevens are solid, but again mistakes in them um it would, so i think if we have Salisu, if lianco turns to be like turns out to be the same sort of level as Salisu, then i'd happy for that partnership to for then the squad depth to be put up to an eight at center back but as we've seen we're still conceding plenty of goals and <sighs> i i only said because it's sort of a much of a muchness really we all have the same level we have Salisu, and then all the rest of them are sort of the the same level as it were um so it's yeah that's I, I that's why i'd leave it down to a seven because as we said what was it second most goals conceded last season yeah so six or seven really yeah yeah i'd, I'd, I'd agree with the seven uh we lost vestigard who was our best center back last year um obviously head and shoulders above the rest literally and we lost him but we gained salisu who I know was there and played towards the end of the season, but he, he wasn't really, he didn't really count, did he? Because, you know, so long he didn't play. Um, and I, I really rate Salisu, but 
right now, I don't think he's as good as Vestergaard was at the beginning of last year. However, what we do have is is greater strength and depth with the signing of Lianca. And we don't know any, we, I don't know enough about him to be able to rate this position anywhere other than a seven because what it says to me is what's great is that we've got four centre-backs, which we didn't do, which we didn't have last year because Salisu wasn't available, so we had three. Um, Stevens and Bidnarek have had a, a further year with the team and, and, and obviously Bidnarek is, is still, you know, still learning, still young, so he's improving. So I'd say we're at a seven, and 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 a lot depends on what happens with Lianco. But I don't think he's going to come into the team. You you mentioned before uh, in our last episode, I think when we were talking about you thought he might come in against Antonio. I thought he might be fourth choice, and we might see him develop behind the scenes before he came in, kind of like Salisu, but without the injuries, hopefully. And and then not long after that, I don't know if you heard, but still did say that he's. You know, he, he's not going to be available immediately. He is going to learn the way we play as a centre-back. So I, I, I don't think he'll be involved immediately. I think it'll be Sully Soup and one-off Stevens or Benarek to start with. But I'd go with the seven. We lost Vestergaard, but we've gained a new defender and Sully is clearly adding something extra as well. Yeah, I, I reckon we might see Lianco maybe for the Sheffield United Cup game. Uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the twenty. First, I think. Yeah, I think that was my prediction, wasn't it? Whenever we weren't sure exactly when they were, but with the the League Cup tie, if we came through against Newport, which we did, um, I think it's, I think it isn't it after the uh, Man City game or just before the Man City game, something like that. Yeah, in between City and Wolves. So I think that's when we'll see him. Um, So I've split the other positions into centre mid, um, sort of that left side uh, attacking mid, the right side attacking mid, and then we've got the. then we've got the strikers. Yeah. In in centre mid, um, I don't know whether to give it an eight or a seven, purely on the basis that we only have three out-and-out central midfielders, but they're all very good. Diallo, Romeo and Ward-Prowse. However, we need two of them. And if one of them gets injured, then we don't have any backup on the bench. And then we're left with an academy player or maybe Stuart Armstrong, if he's fit. Um in terms of the quality there, they're all very, very good. And Ward Prowse is the best of the bunch. But we're just very light in that area. Yeah, I'd say you can't go any higher than seven. Um, I'd be looking at between a six and a seven. I think it. I think we're, we're saved by the fact that one of them is an Iron Man and plays every minute of every game. So in a way, you, you need two players for every position, but you don't need backup for Ward Prowse because he plays every minute. And that's kind of papered over the cracks a little bit in that position. Then you've got Romeo and Diallo. So if one gets injured, the other one will, will fill in. Um, and, and gradually, you know, I think the idea is that Diallo will make his way into the first team as Romeo gets older and Diallo gains experience. I, I still think Will Smallbone is a central midfielder over a, a wide 10 or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he is due back in training not too long. So I, I, I do think we've got four and I do think Will Smallbone is, is a good player. But like you said, I mean, Diallo, still very raw. You know, Romeo and, and Ward-Prowse as a starting two is, is, is very good at the level we're at. But I, if you think about other teams in our league and what standard 
they possess it in central midfield and even teams that <clears throat> not in around us but you know are, are kind of level over the last five or six years you know look at what West Ham have got and what they've been able to build going forward um, other teams you know Leeds have, have got Calvin Phillips and and Maybe Leeds isn't a great example, actually. They've got pretty shit strength and depth in central midfield. But off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of too many others. But there are there are better central midfields than what we've got. And uh on that basis, I you know, I don't think you can go higher than a seven. I'd give a seven based on the fact that we've got Ward Prowse and he obviously yeah. steps that up. But you know, you can look at you can look at other midfields across the Premier League in that kind of middle bracket and yeah, they have some depth. You know, even the likes of Burnley, who don't really have much of a squad. You know, central midfield, they've got too options. many players. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Same, same for Brighton. They've they've got Basuma. They've got Lalana. They've, they've still. I don't know if they've still got proper. They've got certain. Yeah, but he he, he doesn't. If they have, he, he doesn't get in the team. Doesn't really get any game time. Like, yeah, I, I think central midfield can be improved. Um, and it is a position we need to strengthen along with the goalkeeper. But yeah. get an extra point for having Prowse, don't you? The Iron Man. The Iron Man, yeah. As you say, even the game against Newport, he played, I think, almost the entire... I think he played the entirety of it. Yeah, I'm fairly sure he did. Um, but uh, moving on to the attacking positions, left... I'm going to be... These ones are going to be really harsh, but left mid, I have gone for a six because all of the players that we have on that left side, Jennifer, Redmond and... I mean, Teller looks fantastic and I really want him to push on, but he's not starting at the moment and it's Jenepo at the moment, um, Elianusi. I just feel they're all, aside from Teller, who has the potential to go much higher, I think they're just all average, to be honest. Mm. No matter who you put in, you're going to get the same output pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, we, it's the position that we've always had depth in. Look, we've had numbers, but the quality has always has always been poor. You know, Redmond was that first choice on that side for a long time, and he really hasn't got the numbers and the consistency of performance to suggest that he's a, a starting Premier League player. Gineppo seems to be the guy who's who's got the baton at the moment, but you know, and and you can see signs of you know, you kind of want him to do what you think he can do and he can take players on and he's kind of getting in the right positions but then the guy's got two left feet it seems when it comes to you know it's, it's like he's a headless chicken sort of lost on the football pitch at times um, you just hope that he turns into something but the longer it goes on the less convinced I am that that will happen Elinusi is to be seen hopefully he's developed scored again for Norway uh, at the weekend Hopefully he's, you know, he's picking up some tips from the likes of Haaland. But um, I, I, he's another one, you know, he's, he's, he's the latest one where we're all kind of hoping Ellie Lucy comes back to be the player that we hoped we'd signed, you know, a new lease of life after playing for Celtic and, and getting used to being involved in the goals. Can he bring that to the Premier League now? Good start to the season. And, and personally, out of those three players, I think... He probably has done the most to deserve a start against West Ham. And then Teller, just, I think he sees Teller as a striker, whereas I, I, even if he does, I still think he's better 
a better option than anyone else in that position. And I'd like him to start there. But Ralph obviously has a very specific plan for every position. And Nathan Teller is obviously not quite showing him what he needs to, to play in that left number 10 role, whether that's going backwards or, or attacking from a wide position. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go with a... Um, I'd go with a six on the basis that Teller is not going to be used in that position. And then if you're looking at Redmond, Elenusi, Ginepa, I think is pretty weak. And we're kind of hoping that something... We're hoping that one of them shows us something that we've not seen yet. Yeah. Yeah, it almost feels a bit, little bit like when um, Hasenhutl brought, uh, brought um, Buffal back into it. And we thought, mm -hmm. oh, new lease of life. You know, Buffal on his day is a terrific player. And it just... It just didn't work out. We end up saying, yeah, very much. Wish. Yeah, very much the same milk, isn't it? What we yeah. have now, kind of hoping it will catch fire and just never did. Yeah. So, I mean, the difference between Buffal and uh, Elianusi is that Elianusi has had a couple of years on loan where he's consistently scored and assisted. I know it's in a lesser league than when Buffal was sent off to Celta Vigo in La Liga, but yeah, it's all funny. Buffal would, Buffal would rip tear it up. But, but in terms of high confidence, that's something that Elianusi would have from just scoring that many goals. Um, exactly, sort of exactly. And he's carried it over, and in two games, he's scored four. So he's had a, yeah, it's a very good, he's our top scorer in all competitions. Um, now, on to the right side, uh, I'm going for a six again. Because you take Armstrong out, and then it's Walcott and trying to ship one of the one of the loads on the on the left side onto the right, and it just doesn't really work. If Armstrong's in there, and we really really miss him, I think we I think we'd have beaten Newcastle had we had had him because he just has he's so two footed and he has that ability to just run forward and then cut through the line to make good decisions. Um, sometimes otherwise without him, I think we just it's just kicking run down the left and the right trying to whip and across. Whereas Armstrong is just a bit cleverer than that. So I'd go for a six because he's a very good player. But if he's not there, I'm afraid well, I haven't really seen enough from Walcott um, the last year and a half, really, to warrant giving it any higher than a six. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with a seven because I think Armstrong is our best wide midfielder and he operates on that side. So I think, I think the, if you're going to ask me which is better... There are probably more options to play on the left, but I think the better options to play on the right. Um, Suppose you could move Livermento up if you wanted to. Yeah, Livermento is always an option. I think Elianusi is is equally comfortable on either side. Seen him in preseason play on on the right, and I do think he has. I do think he has the intelligence to play that Armstrong role because I, I saw him coming in field a lot. Uh, in pre-season, you could see him driving through centrally. I mean, he used to play number 10, didn't he, when he was at Basel? So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping he can do... He's not a, like a winger as such as Redmond and, and Gineppo are. Like, get chalk on your boots. He's he's more similar to Armstrong in that he'll play up on the wide of a four, but he can come in and get involved a bit more. Um, so, in a way, it's kind of a perfect position, that wide 10 that Ralph's created i always forget about walcott when i'm looking through our options but you know he did you, you can't ignore how good he was at the beginning of last season when we were on fire he was so intelligent in that position and he, he was opening sides up more frequently than any other player for us 
He, he was constantly picking up on the half turn between the defence and, and the central midfielders. He was cut, ghosting in so the left-back wouldn't follow him. Or if he did, he was out of position and there went Walker Peters. And it worked so well. Um, and, and I'm hoping a similar thing will work with Livramento or whoever's playing on, on that side midfield and in defence. But he, he, was, he was the only player we had that would pick it up on that half turn, but then drive at defenders. And, uh, and they really couldn't cope with it because he's so speedy and he is good at running with the ball. So, yeah, I, I, I think based on what he offered us and we've seen him do in that position, and of course, having Stuart Armstrong on that side, uh, yeah, I'd give it a seven. Okay. And the final position striker, I'm giving a seven. Last season it was high because obviously we had Danny Ings. Now, we, obviously, we don't have him anymore. Um, I think we have solid options for once up front. You know, Adams, Armstrong, Broger, possibly Walcott. Shane Long is still there. Um, I suppose you could argue that if Adams or Armstrong get injured, um, you're then left with not the I mean basically you're left with Adams or Armstrong up um up top with Broger and then the only options up front on the bench being Shane Long again um and possibly Nathan Redmond if you want or or Teller I guess Teller. as well. So yeah, I'm, Teller, I'm I'm not I'm not in any mind to push it any higher than a seven to be honest. Okay. I don't know what we rated it last year. I think it was but a nine. The question, the question is you're, you're losing you're losing obvious, undoubted Premier League ability and goals in Danny Ings. But you're gaining more depth and a better a better quality of strike force away from that. You know, we lost Ings, but we gained uh, Armstrong and Brozier. So we have more options. We have much greater variation in options and what we're also gaining is is Nathan Teller as a as a real first team option this year regardless of injuries so I in that respect I I would I'd be going near a kind of a seven maybe a 7.5 ju just based on that because Teller is a year wiser and he's ready for the first team and that is the position I think Ralph wants him to play He's just not getting any game time at the moment because Adams and Armstrong are, are doing well. Armstrong, proof is in the pudding. It, can he hack it at this level? I think he can. And from what I've seen so far, you know, he's been involved. He's, he's set up a couple of the goals. So I'd, I'd like to think that we're in a position where we can almost choose horses for courses as well. And Brozier is another player similar to um, Lianco in that we don't really know what to expect from him. But he, he again, he scored at the weekend, um, match winner for Albania against Hungary in England's group. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we are so much stronger in terms of numbers and depth up front as we are in many positions now. And that's the, that's the whole point in the window. But in terms of our best player in that position, it's it's fallen quite drastically. Mm. So seven point five, if I'm allowed to give half points. <laughs> you, can, you can. You can bring myself to go with an eight. You know, not not with yeah. that. It's, there's no. It's the lack of proof. You know, Teller 
still young, not done it. Armstrong, not done it in the league. Brozier, we don't know. But I've got high hopes for for that attack force. And obviously, we lost over Femi, who um, mm. you know, we, we hope does a really good job in the championship for Swansea. I think he will. I think he will. I think he's got a good attitude. Um, certainly, that's been drummed into him by House and Hootsel. Um, shame to see him go because he did score some absolute crackers, including that one against Chelsea on, um, I think it was Boxing Day a couple of years ago when he bent it into the top corner. No, And, and of course, the uh, the last-minute equaliser at Old Trafford that sent awesome. m- many Manchester United fans into a bit of a, a frenzy of how annoyed they were. Um, right, so that's our opinion on the squad depth. And let's move on now. Let's, let's end the episode, obviously. We've got... West Ham at home at the weekend. You're going to that. Very excited to be providing the audio description commentary on behalf of Alamarch Sport. Um, a full house at St. Mary's, a chance, um, well, another chance to see the uh, the new signings in action after a very surprising one-all draw with Manchester United. West Ham, of course, are unbeaten. They've started the season incredibly well. Can Saints get anything out of this game? Yeah, they can. Um, you know, West Ham are, are, are doing well and they're impressive and they're in a rich vein of form and they're all working to a game plan perfectly but this is West Ham they're not you know, they're not unbeatable um, they can turn up one week and then another week you know who would be surprised if Ben Rama didn't turn up and was marked out of the game by Livramento or mm. you know the, the Pablo Fornals wasn't involved in the game. You know, these are players that have, we've seen start the season well, but we've also seen, you know, not do anything last last season or four hours for many seasons. Antonio is obviously the danger man. If you can stop him, then I, I think you can stop a lot of what West Ham do. Mm. Uh, but they're, you know, they're the, they're the favourites and, and, um, and rightly so, you know, they've, they've got, they have got great strength and depth. They're winning games and they're scoring so many goals. And I, I don't expect that to stop against Saints. I do expect them to score goals. Um, and we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to have our shooting boots on, which we didn't have against Newcastle, if we're to get something from this game. One change I would definitely make for this game, actually, is have Forster in for McCarthy. Because I just think that Forster has more of an aerial presence in the box and obviously West Ham are going to be putting balls into the box. And I just, McCarthy, McCarthy doesn't fill me with any confidence in terms. Of, I mean, I suppose he, against Newcastle, he did come and claim quite a few crosses. But at the same time, Newcastle don't have any big men, to be honest, that are going to batter him for it. Whereas I think Forster could probably be more of a, dominate his box a bit more. Um, I think it's, personally, I think it's a mood point because I don't think Forster, I think Forster is our backup goalkeeper this season. You know, he played in the League Cup. He, he hasn't played in the Premier League for the first three games, so it's not a two-on, two-off, as it was McCarthy last year. That is, um, in spite of McCarthy being at fault for Greenwood's goal uh, with some poor goalkeeping, Harsnett is going to keep faith in him this season because at the end of it, he knows that Forster won't be here. So it's almost like, if you're going to use Forster, it's like you, you use him if he's undoubtedly the better goalkeeper in your eyes or otherwise it's like yeah and it's like having a loan signing and playing the goalkeeper mm. he's not going to sign the contract 
we don't want to pay his wages for someone who's not good enough for those wages. And McCarthy um, is being kept on, has been offered the contract, and I think signed it. So, yeah, it's, and, and, and he obviously, he can't split the two of them. So why would you not go with the guy who, in his opinion, is equally as good, but is going to be here for longer? So I, I think he's nailed on. Unless he fucks up every game and just as a complete crisis in confidence, Forster is there. Otherwise, he's the cup keeper, I think. Fair. That's a fair point. Um, I can't really see this. But despite other... the fact that me and you rate yeah. him higher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, there aren't many changes I possibly do. I think Elianusi keeps his place. Um, I don't Does know. Does ben, if... Benarek start ahead of Stevens for you? Is there a particular reason why he's not starting at the moment? Is it because he doesn't have much of a pre-season? Well, maybe. I think he obviously had his child, and that was a reason, I think, that he wasn't in this squad for well, I can't remember what game it was. Um, but and then, and then I think Stevens did so well against Man United, kept his place for Newcastle. I don't know if it was the Everton game or the Man United game that he missed because his partner was giving birth. But either way... Obviously, you know, Stevens had a great game against Man United. Um, not as good against Newcastle. So I, I think if he keeps playing well, then it's his place. But we know Ralph rates Bednarek um, because he's played so many minutes under him. I know it hasn't been a, a plethora of choice, but Stevens has always been there. And he, he clearly rates him over Stevens or has done for a long time. So I'd expect him eventually to end up in there. But yeah, still, I, I, I do see Stevens and Salisu starting yeah. um, as, as the partnership. Who plays at left back and right back then? Is it, I, that's, that's hard to predict. It is. I, I was actually just thinking about this. I'm almost tempted to not have to not start Perot because it was, it, was, it was evident a lot defensively against Everton how... The ball, he just kept on letting the ball go over his head to the man behind him. And I think that Mikhail Antonio is going to think of that as an absolute gift for him, that he can just rise above him, get on him, the ball's going to go over him and he can just completely aerially, aerially dominate him and get the headers at the back post. Walker mind Pinch you, <laughs> that being said, bring in five foot four Carl Walker-Peters or wherever <laughs> he is. I, you know, I think he'd be licking his lips if he was up against him at the far post. That is true. That is true. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult one. It's just a, how do you? I, I don't. I know he's not going to, but I think this would be a good game for Lianco just because he looks like an absolute monster, and he's certainly playing. His social media is certainly playing along those lines as well about how he's a, an absolute beast. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can uh, sort of walk the walk, as it were. Uh, but he's not going to start for this game. Um, I think. Whoever whoever plays at fullback, Mikel Antonio is going to try and get the best of them. He's not going to pick his fight with Salisu. Um, he might pick his fight with Stevens, but he's more than likely than not going to be wanting to go against Walker Peters or Perot. I think Livermento has to start. I think he's he's done. There's no reason to drop him. He's had a rest as well. I know he played for the under twenty ones, but that. He, he seems yeah. he seems undroppable at the moment. I think the I think the decision we're really asking ourselves is do you play Walker Peters at left back or do you play Perot at left back? Yeah, I, just to touch on that, I can't wait to see the 
battle between Sally Sue and Antonio. I think it will be brilliant because um, uh, West Ham fans won't know much about Sally Sue and they'll back Antonio to bully anyone. But that is Salisu's game. And I can't wait for both of them to be running onto the same ball, shoulder to shoulder, and see who budges, uh, if anyone. Um, I think it coming I, together I, between those might actually trigger an earthquake in Southampton. Yeah, yeah. I think it will uh, knock everyone over in, in, the, in the stadium. I think that will be a really good battle. It'll be a key battle uh, for reasons we've already said. I, I think you're right. I think Livermento is first choice at right back. Um, it's really, it's really like I said, it's horses for courses. I think it's if you want to play the system in the way he wants to play it, where the width is provided by the fullbacks, then Perot is left footed, gets forward, he's your man. If you want to, if you want to worry about West Ham and knowing that we're probably going to play against, um, probably going to play against Bowen on that side, who's left footed come centrally, can play up front, then it's probably better to have a right-footed left-back to kind of match that up um, rather than someone who's going to go on your outside and try and do you for pace out-and-out winger. So in terms of that matchup, I think Walker-Peters would be suited. But if, if he's at St Mary's and he wants to take them on and he wants to go for the win, which I think he does, then, then you need someone who's going to provide that overlap who's going to provide that width, I think. Uh, unless, of course, he wants to go with Gineppo and Gineppo does operate in, in wide areas. So, yeah, I, I think it will be difficult for him at the moment to drop Walker Peters again. Uh, he clearly wants to play them both. And I think that's probably the way we'll go. I just wonder if eventually, if, if we're not putting in the performances and we look a bit stale, then we need to address the issue of the balance in that, in that respect for, for the system he's playing. But I think that will be the back four. Same back four, I believe that was, that played against Newcastle. Yeah, and then obviously you have the Iron Man, War Prowse. He's not, unless there's an injury, he's not going to be dropped. Or he, Neither is Romeo, I don't think. No, and then I think you've got Elianusi nailed on to start. I don't think Armstrong is going to be back for this game. Is so he then not? It's, well, I, I haven't heard anything about him. He, he withdrew from the Scotland squad. And then um, there's two weeks, two weeks from that yeah. draw, isn't there? But I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen any pictures training wise. No. Guess we'll have to wait until the press conference on Thursday to find anything. If Armstrong's fit and ready to go, I'd, I'd put Elianusi on the left and have Armstrong on the right. I love that your words are, are only only three Premier League games into the season. Well, Elianusi's nailed on. <laughs> Does that is that a good thing or is that really? Uh, emphasize the point that we made in our ratings of of those How, wide areas yeah but just, yeah would you would you not want to play Gineppo um not Gineppo Teller in a wide position potentially or is this your kind of maybe prediction for what Ralph might do this is my prediction for what Ralph might do because I would start Teller I'd started Teller for every game this season but for some reason Ralph is just not doing that um and I don't I wonder think... if you might start Gineppo sorry so yeah. I wonder if he I, I think he might still start Gineppo because, you know, he's, he's, he, is, he does look dangerous. He is getting forward. He is getting in the right positions to miss from four yards out. And that's better than having someone who's just not touching the ball. But also, Soufal is so good going forward. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I do not expect that Gineppo is going to be able to get past Soufal at any point during this game. 
but I think he's a he's really good asset going forward, and he seems to trust Gineppo to put in the work uh, facing his own goal. So I wonder if for that reason he might play him. But whoever's going to play out there, I think he needs to have the intelligence of like an Armstrong. What yeah. what we have on the right hand side, where you drift inside and he starts to have to make Souffal think about whether he's going to follow you in there or or come out. And that's why sometimes, that's why Perot maybe is the better option at left-back, you know. That's what they're there for. They try and draw them out. And if the full-backs follow these wide tens in field, then on-bomb the, the, the full-backs. If they don't follow them in field, then they're in a bit of, they're in a bit of um, space to kind of run at the mm. back four. We just haven't seen that in a very long time, have we, working the way it should. No. So I, I, I think he might start Gineppo again. Fair enough. I mean, Gem- I mean, Gineppo started every game um, in the Premier League so far. And then up front, Adams, Armstrong, I think that sort of that those two pick themselves at the moment. Uh, I can't see... As in Che Adams and Adam Armstrong. Not che Adam. Ad- Adams, Adam. Armstrong. Yeah. Adams, yeah, I think those two start, don't they? Um, I, think, I think Stuart Armstrong starts if he's fit, like you said. Mm. And then it probably is a shootout between Gineppo and Elianusi based on the fact that Elianusi is in goal scoring form. But he, again, it's, it's, you know, there's this thing as well about playing three games in an international break for the first time in a long time. It doesn't happen. We've seen about how some of the um, South American teams and, and players are going to miss the game week uh, this weekend. You know, look, uh, Martinez and Buendia won't play because they have to isolate. Don't know if it was worth it in the end because they, uh, Sounds like they weren't allowed in there anyway, and they they didn't. Did that game end up getting abandoned? I I gave up on. Yeah, it, I I didn't. I I gave up on waiting as well. It just seemed to be an absolute palaver, really. Hilarious, isn't it? But yeah, um, so so that's another thing you got to take into account. If it that he's been working with the leftover players, for want of a better word, um, for two weeks. So maybe although Elianusi's done well and he's in form and he's gone scored for Norway. He'll probably play again midweek, whereas Gineppo's had two weeks on the training ground and his match, you know, and he's fit. So uh, that's that's an added that's an added thing. But I think either way, it's like you said, much of a muchness. I would prefer to see Elianusi play because he's the man in the in form. Um, and but well, I prefer to see Teller play. But I just don't see that happening on the wing. And then Armstrong and Adams, I think, are striking up a good partnership. I'd go with them. Fair enough. And I, I just want to, before, before we wrap up, I want to ask you sort of one more question. Obviously, we'll get your prediction. But one thing that's come to mind, obviously, is that after this game, it's Manchester City away, which is a write-off pretty much. How important is it for Saints to get something from this game against West Ham? Because otherwise, they're going to be five games into the season, potentially without a win. I don't think it's vital. Um we, we've not managed to win a game so far this season in the Premier League. We've only got two points. And I think we were like 13th or something, right? So it's not like we're getting left behind. Hmm. After five games, we would have played Man United. We would have played Man City. And we would have played a, a West Ham team that I think is or was top of the league or you know is on fire, the form team. So we would have got them out of the way. It's then about getting the points where you should be getting points. You know, the game against Wolves, I think, will be a much more of a, a game where that question might might mm. get you a different answer. Um, I would 
I would take a point against West Ham. Uh, I don't think we'll get anything against Man City. But to have to have gotten to have avoided defeat in three of those five games, and Everton's another one, they've started well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to avoid defeat in uh, three of those five games, I think would be a good start. Give us a backbone, and then we will inevitably have a run of fixtures where we can win some games. Because after Wolves, it's Chelsea away as well. So it's another game where I don't yeah. think we'll get something. So, so that's where Wolves, I think Wolves is the bigger game. Uh, and although they've lost three games, I think 1-0, they, they do actually look quite good. Um, but, you know, the, the two teams and the form at the moment, I do think that West Ham will have too much for us going forward. Um, and I think Antonio will will probably be the difference. I, I think it will probably end up being 2-1 to West Ham, unfortunately. But uh, I'm hoping that we're in it and it's a good game. Yeah, I think if any team's going to win it, I think it is going to be West Ham. But I'm going to be a bit more optimistic. I think we'll get a, we'll get a point from it in a one-all draw. Um, and as, as you said, I'd take that point. That'd be Essentially, if we were to get a point, that'd be um, unbeaten in three. Uh, only lost one game this season. And uh, yeah, that probably would be... Probably unbeaten in four, if you can include the card yeah, point. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I guess... I guess what would be what would be important is that it we've we, we'd essentially would be taking points from games that we'd expect to lose and although that doesn't quite you know add up to much on the table at the end of the day that would be it, it, it's still getting something and then when those games against teams in and around us come around we would have taken points from games that we wouldn't have expected from we they, they're all bonus points at the moment from our starting fixtures yeah. Yeah. aside from the Newcastle game which I mean any point is a bonus point I guess but um yeah, we don't do much up there, do we? But maybe, maybe we're losing two one, and James Ward-Prowse gets a gets a penalty in the last in the last minute against against West Ham. But you're right. I like I, I what I want to see from us early on in the season because we're many people's tips to get relegated. This is be a different kind of season going into it. A lot of new faces, lost some big players. I just want to see that we are competitive, and we've shown that so far. Uh, we we took the lead against Everton. We've got a draw against Man United. We drew up at Newcastle. You know, we're not a shit team that's getting beaten easily. What well, I don't want is for us to to end up on a on a little bit of a hiding or a one-sided game or maybe just an easy game for West Ham. West Ham are doing well. They're, they're getting points. They're getting goals. If we can get something for them from them or, or just, just keep up with them, then I think it's a long season. And it bodes well. And performances are more important than the points right now. That's true. And another uh, sort of a, a lighter point, their last game was a two-all draw at home to Crystal Palace, yeah. who, who, in my opinion, I don't think Palace are that good a side. I know they're still learning the ropes under Vieira, who I don't rate that highly as a manager. Well, they struggled, but, yeah. didn't they? They struggled yeah. before that game so far to get anything. So, yeah, it was a really good point for them. And, and West Ham's first drop points. Exactly, and that would be the game that West Ham would have been expected to comfortably win. Either way, it, what's going to be good is having um, club football back, I feel, the, these two. Full stadium. Exactly, full stadium, new signings, you're doing the commentary. It hopefully will be um, a continuation of this Indian summer that we're having. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, 3pm, as it should be, 
and we can sort of kickstart the this is this is the real start of the season until the next international break in October. But um, we can get a good run of fixtures under our belts, and of course, we've got the cup game against Sheffield United to come, which we'll talk about later. But it's a game that I expect yeah, us to win. Good opportunity, good opportunity for us to to start going on a little bit of a run in the, in the cup as well. So yeah, I'm I don't agree with those that think we're going to get relegated. No. Um, I, from what I've seen, we just need to. There's lots of room for improvement, and we need to grow into this season and see improvements in our back line. Um, and I'm hoping with consistency of starts, we can see that from um, from our players. But yeah, the goalie worries me. But yeah, I, I, I do see us. You know, I, we, I don't see us getting rolled over by an informed West Ham side. Although they are very good and I've enjoyed watching them, I still think we have a chance of of coping with that, which is which is a good place to be in. Um, just before we uh, just before we sign off on this one, um, just a, a, a note on the uh, under the lights uh, fantasy Premier League 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 um, new leader this. Uh, this week, or well, has been for over a week now, uh, Alejandro, Alejandro Chavez has uh, 257 points. Had a good, had a good week. He's top of our league now, um, having Ferran Torres, I think, in his side. Oh, good pick! It, uh, has helped him, helped him there. Um, he wasn't the top scorer this week, though. Uh, actually, it was um, well, it was myself and. Sebastian Wong, who's uh, crept up into fourth place, and uh, him having Antonio Buendia and Son as captain, I think is uh, that's that's a good point to all there. But it's uh, it's all to play for uh, near the top. Um, I'll be honest with you; I haven't even looked to see how you've done this week, Tom. I'm not sure if you if you have either. No, uh, I'm just sorry. I'm still scrolling. I'm looking. Oh, is, it, is it as bad as the Ars- is, is it bad as the Premier League table when you have to accept cookies just to see Arsenal <laughs> yeah. at the bottom of the league? It's not too bad. You're not. Uh, you're not bottom. Um, you you have dropped from wherever you are. Only 41 points this week, Tom. Just uh, just wondering if at any point you might give up on captaining <laughs> Aubameyang. <laughs> he lost. Lost five 0 to Man City. Uh, oh dearie me! James Will Prowse, James Will Prowse, that penalty has uh, has really saved you, I think. There, um, but with with Chris Wood with nine points as your last sub, uh, got to be agonising over that. But it's still time, Tom. We've got to do. It's just spend log twelve in and, and a half. <laughs> log in, have a look. Spend twelve and a half million on Ronaldo for his homecoming against Newcastle. That's it. That's the one. You know, you know what to do. You just got to do it. Yeah. Just but, uh, right. Let's um. Let's sign off on that one then. Uh, big game at the weekend. Full house at St Mary's. I can't wait to be there. I'm sure you can't wait to watch it, Tom. Uh, three p.m. Saturday. Lovely jubbly. Let's see if we can get ourselves our first three points of the season. Sounds good to me, mate. If you want to find the podcast on Twitter, it's at under underscore saints. If you want to find me, it's at t two one four Murray. You find me at Callum Wilson twenty one on Twitter, and if you uh, if you have any agreement or disagreement, as I'm sure the latter will be uh, will be more likely about our ratings for the squad, let us know what yours are in the comments when we post 
this video. And as always, stay safe, stay wonderful.